Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And welcome to our newest sponsor, Rabid Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I, Chicago! Welcome into our first real, full, big show podcast of the 2018-19 season. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, to talk about the 2-0-1 Chicago Blackhawks is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 to score. Jay, the Blackhawks have scored a lot of goals. They've given up a lot of goals. And I think we've really learned one thing about this team, and that it's that this season is going to be absolutely bonkers. Oh, yeah. It's been that way already. Um, Every game has been manic and high scoring. Part of that is on Cam Ward, and we'll discuss that, obviously, as the podcast goes on. But, um, hey, look, if nothing else for fun, if nothing else they can score, um, I'd rather have it like this and just kind of live by the excitement of every night as opposed to just boring, plotting, um, 
you know, hockey that really goes nowhere, which is kind of what we saw a little bit last year. So I'm really encouraged by the first three games. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, Ottawa is a game you should win. We talked about that in the postgame show that night. Um, but wins against St. Louis and taking uh, Toronto to the very brink and outplaying them for the large majority of the game, to me, those are good indicators. Yeah, I think we honestly, we, I think we learned more about the Toronto Maple Leafs last night than we did about the Chicago Blackhawks. I think what we learned about Toronto is, good God, they have no defense, man. Like their their defense honestly looked so pedestrian last night. I was really surprised at how easily the Blackhawks were moving the puck, getting to the front of the net, setting up chances. That Alex DeBrincat goal in that game was a perfect example of that. The Blackhawks moved the puck so effectively around the zone, and the Leafs had no idea who to cover. They were just kind of scrambling all over the place. And then you add into that Garrett Sparks, and they just honestly, their goaltending was hey, already hey, hey, such hey, a. Hey, 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 Say it correctly. Elmhurst native Garrett Sparks. No, oh, sorry, sorry. You, yeah. you cannot acknowledge I, I, anyone from Illinois without saying where they're from. <laughs> So when we come on the podcast, I should go Homewood's very own Jay Zawoski yes. and Bourbonnet's very own James Novo. Okay, and, and we must uh, say it every time we reference one another. That sounds like an excellent <laughs> idea, Homewood's Jay Zawoski. That will not get annoying I, at all, Bourbonnet's <laughs> James Novo. <laughs> We've just lost all of our listeners. Um, but Garrett Sparks, like both him and Frederick Anderson, Fred Eric Anderson, as I like to call him, oh, yeah. they just <laughs> honestly they just don't they don't look good. Like their defense and their goaltending is just giant red flags to me. And yeah, their offense is otherworldly. Good God. They have so much talent on that side of the ice, but they have nobody who can stop anybody. And if you're giving up six goals to the Chicago Blackhawks, and not only that, giving up two goals in about a minute and a half to blow two separate leads late in the game. I got serious questions about the Toronto Maple Leafs that were left last night and the way they played all weekend long. But in terms of the Blackhawks, I think we've learned that Jonathan Taves has looked obviously amazing the first three games of the season. Patrick Kane's obviously looked really good. Those two, those top two lines do seem like they're meshing. And Mm -hmm. it seems like those are good combinations. And I give credit to Joel Quenville for sticking with them. And I think that's the right decision. However, I think the same things I said about the Maple Leafs, the goaltending and the defense still hold true with the Blackhawks. Outside of Henry Yokoharu, uh-huh. And Duncan Keith, who's looked pretty solid, I would say. The Blackhawks are just really rough defensively. And obviously, Cam Ward, I, you can't put all the goals that he's given up on him. There have been a lot of screens, lots of deflections, lots of really careless turnovers yes. all over the ice. But he's still allowing quite a few soft goals. And this team is basically praying at this point. Please let Corey Crawford come back. Please let Corey Crawford come back. What do you think, man? Yeah, I I, I think everything what you said is true. And on Ward, um, it's got to be better than it's been. I know he's made some miraculous saves, too, as the season's gone on. I want to give him credit for those as well. But I don't care how many deflections or screens you face. Every goalie in hockey faces those. And he's just got to be better. Like, you can live with three goals a game. Right. Like that's not too much to ask. Like, okay, we'll give you three. Allow three and we could fight through the rest. But when you're, you know, giving up four, four, and and seven, that's problematic. And that's I don't care how great the Blackhawks offense is. I don't care if you're the eighties Oilers, you're not gonna score at a pace like that. That's impossible. So they need the defense to tighten up. I agree with what you said. Keith and Yokoharu have been outstanding. 
Um, I think Ruda and Gustafson have been fine. Gustafson always has to have that one mind-boggling turnover per game, it seems. <laughs> My big concern... He, he imagines there's a player in the middle of the ice that just isn't there. Yeah, or vice versa. There's a guy he just doesn't see. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh... Here, take this. Wait, you're not oh, on my we're team? we're not wearing white tonight. Dang it. Yeah, exactly. So they've been fine. Uh, to me, Brandon Manning is the big concern, and Eddie O was going off about how great of a game he played last night. Yeah, he scored a goal, a game-tying goal, tied it at four, which is great. That's wonderful, terrific, welcome, thank you. But the rest of his game has been pretty disastrous. Um, I think before long they're going to realize they're going to need to add a defenseman here, uh, and finally they have the cap space to do it. It's just – you have to wait to see when no one's ready to sell the first week of the season. So it's going to be a while. So hopefully Connor Murphy can get back sooner or Gustav Forsling can get back sooner because I don't think Brandon Manning is an NHL defenseman. I really don't. He might be a nice guy in a pinch and a call up, but, but look, if that's the biggest problem is your lowest defenseman, uh, things are going pretty well. And I, I think overall, I'm very happy with how the season's gone. Um, obviously you have to tighten up the D but the offense, the guys that we were hoping would show signs of life are doing just that. Meanwhile, Smalls and DeBrinkett look like they haven't missed a step and are uh, ascending the way we had hoped. So, so far, so good. I know that, you know, 2-0-1, if I asked you this, you know, before the season opener, would you take 2-0-1 to start the season? Every Blackhawks fan in America would have screamed yes. So, uh, I, I can't get too upset about the couple things on the periphery that are hurting this team. Um, before we like kind of delve back into some of the positives and the negatives, and I do want to start with the positives for the Blackhawks, because I feel like so much of the preseason was spent kind of fretting about stuff and worrying that this team was going to look uh, questionable on both ends of the ice. Frankly, before we get into that, I did want to kind of tie a bow on Saturday a little bit. The Blackhawks went over the blues. Yeah. Is it just me or do the blues still look like they're probably the fourth or fifth best team in the division right now. Like I just don't, I don't get cup contender vibe out of them. I know I was critical of the Maple Leafs earlier. I still think they have plenty of time to get it together, make moves, do whatever the blues. I'm just, they don't scare me at all. What about you? Well, they're not in their prime anymore. They're not in their heyday anymore, which is when I was actually a little bit scared. Like when them and the Hawks were meeting up every year, I felt like that team was equipped to cont- at least contend for a Stanley Cup. You're right. I don't get that vibe from this team. Um, they still got Tarasenko, dangerous scorer. I like what Ryan O'Reilly brings to the team. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you've still got Colton Pareko, who's going to get better and better every game. I just don't – I think you're right. I don't get a contender vibe from them. Of course, Jake Allen was terrible. And if there's one goalie in the NHL who's had it worse than Cam Ward, it's, it's Jake Allen. He has been abysmal. So it's hard to really – like, look at the Hawks last year, and I think we mentioned this a couple times during the summer. Were they really that terrible, or was it that every time they made a mistake, the puck ended up in the back of their net because of their goaltending problems? It's probably a little bit of yeah. both, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what you're seeing from the Blues here is, okay, maybe they're a playoff contender, a playoff team. They're not cup contenders, but they're ma- being made to look worse by their horrific goaltending. You you guys can all blame me for that, by the way, because I drafted Jake Allen in uh, our <laughs> fantasy you. hockey league. Speaking of that, uh, did you get in on the FanDuel thing? Did you get in in time? I, I actually, I looked and I did not get in. It's very fun. And guess who won week one? You did. Nope. Adult haircut, Ooh. Dave. Oh, yes. Thank <laughs> God. I thought you were going to say Gingenberger and I was going to be 
kind of um I wouldn't say upset because I'm I'm kind of team Gingenberger, but yeah. I, I'd rather adult haircut Dave win. He's just he's the bee's knees, man. Well, Dave, try not to spend all nine dollars in one place that you won on uh, <laughs> on Sunday. We'll do that though. Probably once a week, I'll I'll post a FanDuel contest. It'll be you know low low like a dollar, two dollars, maybe five dollars max for special occasions. Um, but yeah, get in there if you like it. Check out our Twitter for uh, those details. Mad uh, Twitter dot com slash Madhouse Pod. Um, yeah, might one be thing I want to do it on a more populated day of the schedule too. I was it was a soft launch. No, oh, it's totally no. I'm totally yeah. just saying. Like, can you imagine a Saturday where like 26 of the teams are playing? Holy crap, yeah, dude! Well, that, I, That'd be that's, so fun. We'll definitely be eyeing uh, weekend action for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Back to the St. Louis game. I wrote about it today for 670 the score in my weekend observations, um, and there was a play that really stood out to me in the second period. Vladimir Tarasenko was about to be on a breakaway. He had the puck. He was ahead of all the defenders. He was on his way into the Hawk zone for a sure scoring chance. Henry Yokoharu takes the perfect angle and cuts him off right when he enters the, the uh, Hawk zone and nothing comes of the play. Now, look, the five assists are very impressive. It's a great leads start. The league, I believe, he right? does. He leads the league in assists with five this season. Henry Okaharu does. Leads the entire NHL in assists. But it's those things. Like, you knew that the talent was there, and talent can create points now and again. But it's the defensive savvy that he's shown that has really impressed me. And when you hear Joel Quenville raving about a young player, let alone a young defenseman, you know he's doing some things right. He's been tremendously impressive. I am blown away by some of the little things he's done. Uh, with the puck and the other thing and on defense and the other thing is when he has the puck he never looks panicked or worried I think even Eric Gustafson who's got over a season under his belt in the NHL can sometimes handle the puck like it's a hand grenade Mm -hmm. like he's afraid to have it he's not sure where it's going to go he's really slow to release his shot when he gets it Uh, Yokoharu is smooth and silky with the puck he's sound defensively and for a guy being your top prospect who's not going to be 19 until or not going to be 20 years old until June, for him to come out this early and look this good, that is a fantastic sign. I did get a chance to read your observations. Thank you. I mean, they as always, they are top notch. Everybody should go read Jay's stuff on uh, 670thescore.com. Read my stuff on uh, Madhouse Enforcer. I did not write a love letter to Henry Yokoharu, but I should have, dang it, <laughs> because he, he has absolutely been fantastic. And the way that Joel Quenville talks about him honestly reminds me of the way like he talked about guys like Nick Jalmerson back in the day, you know, yeah. like just that he, he almost has like a giddiness in his voice. And it's not something you hear from Joel often. He's more often kind of dour. He's like, oh, he looks solid. But he's never really effusive in his personality but he really is going out of his way to say how thrilled he is with Henry Yokoharu. And I'm really, I'm seeing that too. And I think that there are going to be growing pains this season. We we know what happened with Alex DeBrincat last year where there were kind of ebbs and flows to his game. There were days that he didn't quite look completely right. He would make mistakes. He would do kind of little things wrong. That's going to come with Henry Yokoharu. But at the same time, these first three games, with all of the chaos and all of basically the crack cocaine hockey that we've witnessed, <laughs> just the nonstop bender action back and forth, he's made some really solid defensive plays, too. And he, yeah, he can handle the puck, but I didn't realize just how instinctual 
he was. That's that's a thing that's kind of hard to catch sometimes when you're just watching highlight videos of a guy right. is the raw instinctual talent that he has. He has a very good hockey IQ, and I know that kind of gets thrown around a lot, but I definitely think it applies with him. Yeah, you can see it in his play. You can see it in the decisions he makes. And again, I think a, a big indicator of that is how calm and poised he looks almost all the time. Like You would think coming in, You'd be, yeah. Not that there's a lot of pressure on him, you know. There's really not because it's not like he's the difference between the Hawks winning a cup or not. But um, my friend, he is. They are going to go exactly eighty-one, zero right. and one. They're going to win it because of him, my friend. Um, but but <laughs> the point is, like, he's coming and he's not looked at all scared or even like concerned. He's like, I think is it Q that uses the word low heart rate. Like he's got a low I- heart rate. I'm fairly certain I've heard him use that phrase before. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what he does, and that's kind of the hardest thing for a young player. So, all great with Yokoharu. Let's take our first time out, shall we? We'll come back. I want to spend some time talking about Jonathan Taze and how what I'm seeing from him is encourage, encouraging, not just because of the stats. Um, but, as always, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. If you need a jersey, if your team needs outfitting, your softball, baseball, football, hockey team needs a, a logo designed, anything. Anything that a personal team could use, hit up Triple Threat Sports. They're going to do the best job in town. They'll also hook you up with authentic NHL, NFL, MLB jerseys that look just like they look on the field to play. So give them a call, 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreadsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on Jonathan Taves and the Blackhawks after this short time out on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am Homewood's very own Jay Zawoski. With me is Bourbon A special, James Naveau. Speaking of special, how about that for a transition? James and I want to formally welcome our newest sponsor, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. Went to the Rabbit Brewery today, had a couple beers, had some fun, had some Thanks talks. for the invite, pal. It came together very quickly. I had to seal the deal, my friend. This is a high-pressure sales situation. Oh. Um, so Rabbit is on board. They're very excited. Uh, if you've never been to Rabbit before, you owe it to yourself to come on out to Homewood. They've got beers across the board. There is a beer for everybody there. Okay, If you like a juicy IPA, they've got you there. If you like Imperial Stouts, they have a Russian Imperial Stout that's outstanding a chocolate blood orange wheat. It's always changing. Their menu is always changing. This weekend, the 13th on Saturday, is their one-year anniversary. They're unveiling a new beer there. I've tried it. It's fantastic. So head on out to Rabbit's one-year anniversary. I will be there hanging out, uh, not like in any official capacity, but I'll just be there hanging out. So if you see a big fat guy with a beard drinking beer, wave at me. It could be me. Um, But aside from the awesome beer, Rabbit is just a really cool place to hang out. They've got open mic nights. They've got beer yoga on the weekends. There's a million things to do. Very committed to the community. Very committed to the area. So head on out to Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Um, it's just awesome. It, the uh, Tobias, who runs the place, he's like a mad scientist. He comes up with these mythological ideas. It's sort of the theme, these mythological beers. Uh, he is a craft brewer in the truest sense of it because everything he comes up with is magical and it works and it's awesome. So go visit our friends at Rabbit Brewing in Hobart, Illinois, and mark your calendar. Tuesday, November twenty seventh. The date is set for our charity event at Rabbit. 
a lot more details to follow. It's going to be a little bit more of a formal situation, not like suit and tie, but there's going to be some tickets. There's going to be some specials. There's going to be all kinds of fun things to raise money for my friend Andy. I think if you've been a longtime listener to the podcast, my buddy Andy Garcia, who I used to work with at The Score, uh, lost his wife tragically to cancer uh, just a few short months after giving birth to their twins. So Andy is left behind with uh, three kids to care for on his own. Luckily, he's got a great family, but uh, I want to offer him some financial support, um, and hopefully you guys can help us out with that. So there will be great prizes. The Blackhawks have pledged support. EA Sports has already sent over four copies of NHL 19 to give away. The Chicago Wolves will be involved. I'm going to try to involve the Chicago Cubs. 670 the score will be involved, so there will be lots of great things to win. Uh, but stay tuned for more details. We should have something finalized by early next week. So welcome aboard Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. You guys are going to love it. Hopefully you can join us on the 27th. And if not, just head on out to Rabbit. You're going to have a great time there. Anyway, okay, before we went to break, I mentioned how I wanted to discuss Jonathan Taves. And today, Monday, he was named the number two star of the week in the NHL behind Austin Matthews and ahead of Ben Bishop of the Dallas Stars. Um, he's been great. There's no question about it. And one word, James, that I have used to describe him in these first three games is authoritative. He is, I think in the the past couple years, a lot of people have said, is Jonathan hurt? Like he doesn't look like himself. You're seeing him dictate the play. Now he's initiating the rush. He's going into corners hard. He was always a, a competitor in the corners, but Taves is now taking it to the players on the ice. When he's out there, he is standing out as the best player out there. Chances are when he's out there, he probably is. And he's starting to skate like it again. And to me, even more than the goal scoring, it's that look of there is the hungry ass, unstoppable Jonathan Taves that we saw in 2010 and 2013 and 2015 through three games. That guy seems to be back. I have two theories for why this is, and I want you to uh, weigh in with the validity of the theories. Theory okay. number one, he started eating meat again. I never stopped. So, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm on board for that, and I never okay. will, damn it. Yes, I, th- he, I think there is a possibility that he started consuming the wonderful, wonderful food stuff known as meat. Mm, and meat number product. two, Alex DeBrincat just makes him better. That helps, too. Opens up a lot of space, I feel like. I feel like Jonathan Taves talked a really good game last offseason about how he was trying to get lighter and faster. I think this season he actually is. Like, I am noticing a definite uptick in his intensity, his speed. I have noticed no downtick in his defense at all. Like, I still feel like he's very strong defensively, making some good plays on the puck, on the forecheck, and especially in the neutral zone. I've been noticing him a lot this season, but... I just, I just think those, the combination of those factors of him seeming lighter and being faster and having Alex Dabrinkit there to open up a little bit more space for him and to give him an outlet for those passes if he sees him open in the zone, I think it's helping him immeasurably. And I know we're only three games in, being very cautious not to overreact because we've all seen these kind of limited sample size things blow up in our face we had Brandon Saad last year looked really good out of the gate slowed way down yeah I I think that there is a need to be a little bit cautious about Mm -hmm. it but I mean all signs at least right now are pointing to Jonathan Taves really taking a step forward and really kind of becoming the player again that he was 
probably in that 2013 season. Like, it's just, it seems like he's a lot faster in the last couple of years. And like you said, he's a lot more confident and he's a lot more assertive with what he's doing on the ice. When you mentioned Brandon Saad and Alex Dabrinkit, it sort of sparked something in my mind. And as much as I'm a fan of Brandon Saad, and I've actually, although he hasn't been rewarded yet, I've enjoyed how he's played uh, early this season. I think he looks, you know, remember we talked before the season started, like he seemed for a guy who was such a power forward, kind of passive. I'm seeing him in front of the net with scoring chances constantly. One hasn't gone in yet, but I'm confident that if he keeps getting chances like he is, they will. But I wonder if you were planning to play the Blackhawks, right? And you're looking at the roster and you're saying like, who are the guys that we need to be constantly aware of where they are on the ice? I don't know if Brandon Saad is one of those guys. I think he's a guy where you say very talented, good scorer. You know, he's when he's out there, he's going to be on a top line. I think, like you said, Alex Dabrinkit brings a different element of a line mate to Jonathan Taves that he's never had before since Patrick Kane. And Dabrinkit's a guy who, when he's out there, demands your attention. Uh, he's fast. He is a sniper. Uh, he also, because of his size, can sort of sneak around a little bit and not get caught. So you know when Dabrinkit's out there, at least one or two sets of eyes are on him at all times, monitoring where he's going. And just sort of naturally, like you said, that's going to open some things up for Jonathan Taves. And, and I don't want to undersell that. I, I think the factor that Alex Dabrinkit is on his line to start the season, and, and hopefully for a long time, you can't ignore that. You can look at all the other things about Jonathan Taves, but that is as valid of a factor as any in Taves' early success this year, I think. It, it, you reminded me just now of something I'd heard about Tariq Cohen back when the uh, Bears were playing the Buccaneers a few weeks ago. Bears. And Bears. Three and one. Bears. Remember First that game? Place, Bears. That when the Bears played the Buccaneers? That was awesome. Do, do you remember that time that Mitchell Trubisky threw six touchdown passes? My friend, that was great. There will be um, many more to come. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I think he he the, uh, one of the announcers made a really good point about Tariq Cohen, which is that he's so short, like you would think that he would just get swallowed up in the defensive line and he wouldn't be able to do anything. But they were running in between the tackles. And what the announcer said was that he's it's almost like he just kind of disappears and like guys have trouble finding him like in all kind of the chaos of like what's going on in the game and it reminds me a little bit of what I think happens with Alex Dabrinkit is that he's so quick and so like intuitive and in getting to his spots and you know firing the puck and doing everything it's almost hard to kind of anticipate what he does and even if you can you kind of lose track of him a little bit just because of his speed and his lack of size and I think they're it, it's obviously a little bit harder to kind of disappear when there's only five guys on your team on the ice instead of 11 like there is in football. Yeah. But I kind of liked that analogy to uh, Tariq Cohen. I kind of liked that in regards to Alex Dabrinkit, too. That makes a lot of sense. And um, you, like we talked about with Haru, the hockey sense. Dabrinkit's another one that when you look at the way he plays the game, it was very visceral. Like, he knows exactly what the situation's going to be. He's one of those guys with that sort of predictive uh, offensive mind. Like, they always said that about Wayne Gretzky. Not that I'm comparing Alex Dabrinkit to Wayne Gretzky. Breaking news. Jay Zawoski <laughs> has compared Wayne Gretzky to Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, but they would say that Gretzky was always three passes ahead, right? And that's why he was so great, is he knew, okay, well, chances are this pass is going to go here, then here, and then I'll be here. And inevitably, it worked all the time where he was the one initiating things as well. If I put it here, then this guy will go here, then here, and we have a goal. Um, that ability to sort of see things before they happen is something that I think that Debrinkit has illustrated really well in his early 
career. And 30 goals, by the way, what was it, 80 games? 88 games? Uh, it was 85. 85, it okay. It was three, three games faster than Jonathan Taves hitting 30 goals, and I believe it was 20 faster than Patrick Kane. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's saying something. And considering that most of last season, not most, but at least a third was spent on the bottom six, Yep, earning his you know keep in the NHL basically. Yeah, he was pay your dues. paying his dues to Joel Quenville. Yeah. You know what though? I will say this, and I've I've sort of come around on this a little bit, and thinking about the Cubs because we get a lot of calls like, "Why doesn't Elmora play more? He's doing great. He's hitting great." Well, like you got to look at it conversely. Like maybe he's doing so well because of the situations he's being used in, and I think mm-hmm. there is probably a little bit of wisdom to Joel Quenville saying. Look, there's no point in rolling this guy out in the top six to start his career. Let's let him get his feet wet, get comfortable, find his game, find his speed, find his level. Then when he's ready, we'll move him up. I think there should be a little bit of consideration to that, though I do think you probably waited a month too long, even with that uh, you know, caveat, I guess, plugged in. And do you and do you think he learned that lesson with basically throwing Yokoharu like right into the fire with Duncan Keith? Like I think there's I th- an well, element of he recognizes the skill and he wants him out there in multiple situations from penalty kill to power play. But I also think maybe there is an element of security blanket there too, mm-hmm. knowing that you have him out there with the arguably most complete defenseman that you have. True, and I think it's it also goes player to player. And it also goes, like, last year they had the luxury of not playing Debrinkin on the top six. Right now, they need Yokoharu to be their second or third best defenseman. And right now, I think he's their second. I don't, I don't understand what you mean. Isn't Brandon Manning supposed to be doing that? Oh, stop your ass. <laughs> no, well, no, okay. Uh. To, be, to be fair, the, <laughs> the guy who's really supposed to be doing that is still recovering from back surgery. Yeah, so we can't rip on him just yet. No. <laughs> we could try, though. All right, let's take another time out. Before we do, got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Family-owned and operated since 1933, and it shows every time you walk into the door at Marishka's, like James did today, without me. Literally today. Jagmo, what did you get? I got the Monday special, which was the mushroom burger. Oh, my God. All right. It was so good, so delicious. Had had some fries with that. I was thinking about getting the steak poor boy, but I saw that special on the board, and I just had to do it. Let me ask you. If you asked Joe nicely, would he take the mushroom burger and smash a poor boy in between it, my friend? Dude, he would literally make (laughs) poor boys the buns of the burger, man. I'm down for that. that. What would that be, like uh, six meat patties, four meat patties? It sounds like a heart attack. But well, it sounds awesome. Yeah, this I'm is down. not the I'm Fat podcast. We should not <laughs> I, be doing this. You're right. Heart attack, though, is the theme of the Blackhawks season. So I think uh, Joe should come out with a special burger uh, just for the Hawks season. They, do, the have, they do have a Blackhawks sign there that says, Welcome to Marishka's. So well, clearly they, they know what they're doing. Well, Marishka's, go there. We mentioned the poor boys, mentioned the burger. Everything there is great. The seafood, I the chops. I saw the Icelandic cod on the menu and immediately of thought of you. Well, the Icelandic cod is phenomenal. Just Probably the best fish you can get out outside of Door County. There, I said it. Anyway, go visit Marishka's 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Family owned operated, like I said, since 1933. Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. I don't know why I go in that order. 
but it's how it was written the first time, and I just stuck with it, and now it's ingrained, so I just go in weird order of holidays. I'm but, pretty sure I say that when I intro uh, podcasts, post-game pods, <laughs> so you're good. Well, you have to do the, learn the new rabbit tag, too. All right, let's take a break, <laughs> come back, do one more segment. I think we've put it off now for about a half hour. Is it time to talk about Cam Ward? Yes, it's time to talk about Cam. Oh, he just gave up another goal. <laughs> All right, stay with us. We're going to try to be positive. Don't tune us out because a negative topic is coming up. We'll talk about fun stuff, too, like lollipops and rainbows and what have you on the other side of this break on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am Bourbonnais' very own and finest James Naveau. With me is Homewood's pride and joy, Jay Zawoski. I feel like I'm really we're running this into the ground and I frankly don't care. That's what we do on the show. Yeah, we run funny things into the ground. You're damn right we do. Semi-funny things. Yeah, it's fair. Speaking um, of funny things, ah, Cam, Cam Ward, Ward, everybody. <laughs> you could take the lead on this one. God. Okay. Um. First of all, I want to point out something to all of the good hockey listening public at home. And it's I want you to sit in your chair, in your car, on the train, wherever you are the right now listening to this. I, I want you to consider... What you saw from Cam Ward on Thursday and Saturday, a goaltender mediocre to eh, okay at times. Consider that Joel Quenville saw that and said to himself, I would rather see that again against the league's fastest team than whatever the hell it is I could potentially see from Anton Forsberg on Sunday night. I want you to think about that because it might make you feel just a little bit better knowing that Cam Ward is currently your better option between him and Anton Forsberg. So in reality, Joe Quenville saved you some stress last night. He really did. (laughs) I wonder if that's actually true. I wonder if Cam Ward is better than... Anton Forsberg. Okay, look, how many how many guys are playing three games in four nights? Like that doesn't happen for goaltenders very often. <sighs> Usually you play one and you get the other one off. Yeah. Especially when you had to I mean, it wasn't a long travel. It was from St. Louis to Chicago. But still, it's not like you were like, you know, oh, this is Detroit and Toronto. We're just gonna hop across the border, blah, 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 kind of thing. Like it just to me, it screams he has no faith in Anton Forsberg right now. He has no faith in him behind that defense. That's the reading I'm getting out of it. It, 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 I think it's either that or maybe Anton Forsberg is still a little banged up. And and then in that case, why'd you send down Colin Dahlia? Like, I feel like there's to me, to me, the more likely scenario is he just does not have faith right now in Anton Forsberg to do the job. That's pretty scary. And what I'm fearing here with Cam Ward, if thank God Corey Crawford is at least close-ish. I don't know. Um, Cam Ward just gave up another goal. <laughs> is this a re- is this like Marty Turco or like Nikolai Habibulin's last season? Part, uh, bad. Yeah. He's not this bad, right? Um, I will say that the defense has done him very few favors that he's had to face a lot of very tough shots that odds are Corey Crawford probably would have either stopped or at least stopped the majority of, because you and I talk about that a lot, that Corey Crawford, when he was healthy last season was bailing this team out on a nightly basis. Absolutely. Like, I feel like it's fair to say that if he were healthy right now, 
the Blackhawks probably would be three and zero right now. But that being said, that defense of Cam Ward aside. I'm not seeing anything that's particularly shocking to me. His lateral movement is something that we had questions about last season when he was playing in Carolina. Looked like he was a little bit slow in the crease, a little bit slow to react, moving from post to post. And then there's just the fact that he just never seems like he gets into like the perfect position. It always seems like he's kind of scrambly. And that's fine when you're like a 25, 26-year-old goaltender. You've got athleticism out the wazoo and you do yoga two times a day. But when you're Cam Ward, when you're basically four two-by-fours kind of strung together with (laughs) duct tape, you're not going to get a lot of that kind of athleticism and floppiness. It's not really going to go your way most of the time. So I got to be honest, Jay, I I, I can't blow smoke here. I'm not thinking there's a lot to be super optimistic about with cam ward i just wonder if you can get through however long it is with cam ward if you can get through it at 500 assuming it's not like december or january when crawford comes back can you live with that can you live with a 500 record regardless of i mean look if you give up six goals and you win seven six it's still a win it's still two points right Um, well considering where our expectations were for the team i think that them being 500 with cam ward and on pace for like 83 to 84 points with him pretty damn good i'll take that yeah i'd take that too i just you're right the situation's different the defense is different like when marty turco was here that was like a cup caliber what year was that what year was turco marty turco i believe was the 2013 14 season because i think it was the year after was he the year after or no he was the year before because then it was it was twenty Ray, uh, it was twenty ten eleven it was a year after the first cup and then they had Ray Emery come in and then Nikolai Abibulin came back if memory serves I believe that's correct yeah <sighs> Marty Turco let's see and God he played twenty nine games for the Hawks that year Oof. well a, that was one that was one of the first times Corey Crawford was really dealing with injury yeah three point oh two goals against eight ninety seven save percentage. Both those numbers better than Cam Ward. Better than what Cam Ward's putting up right now. Yep. So (sighs) it's three games. I'm not ready to totally throw the towel in on Cam Ward yet. But he he looked bad in preseason, too. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It's not, I mean, it's not like, it's still a small sample size. And preseason is different. Like the speed of the game is a little bit different and all that. Still not a lot of reasons for optimism. He's making some good saves. You mentioned it. He is at yeah, times. There's been some saves he had no business making. But, but I, I feel like his his positioning is just so suspect. And I he agree. Just not, he's not very fast either, man. But, like, I'm telling you, I've seen him deep in his net and somehow still giving, a, like, a foot between pad and post. That's hard yeah. to do. No, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> and his five hole is enormous. It's enormous. <laughs> I almost made a really bad joke, and I'm not going to do it. Well, you just kind of <laughs> did, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by not making it, you made it, but it's okay. Well, a lot of people probably have made it with him. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. I'm not ready to panic yet. I'm Cam- All right, one more thing I want to point out to you or ask you about. Um, and it's more of a strategic thing. And Dan Bernstein actually pointed this out to me last night because Dan Bernstein, believe it or not. Oh, oh crap. This is going to be super intellectual and I'm going to look like an idiot. Not really, because it's him asking me something like admitting that someone knows more than him, which is very rare. 
Um, Whoa. But his son Stop plays. The I know. His son plays. His son's a goalie. But he so they watch the Hawks a lot. And he noticed something about the Hawks power play that I didn't really notice until he pointed it out. What the Hawks seem to be doing this year, not every time, but when they're on the rush, sort of acknowledging that they never dumped the puck in and they just refused to, they started utilizing this little drop pass as they, as they are about to enter the zone. And I was trying to figure out, like, okay, what would be the strategy behind, behind like, just delaying your rush, right? Last year, every team that had success defending the Blackhawks' power play, which was everybody... Stack the blue line. Exactly. Stack the blue line. So I think by forcing that drop pass, it's making space in the defense, at least mm. giving you a lane here or there, because you can't just sit there and stagger four guys, right? When when you're entering in that sort of a, a more complicated fashion. What it had been in years past is uh Patrick Kane get puck, Patrick Kane skate, try to go through people and see what happens. Yeah. Now there's it's a little bit more. Basically, the equivalent of the dump in. Like you're. It's a reverse dece- dump. You're deceiving the team. Like you're deceiving the team who's going to actually carry the puck into the zone. You're essentially buying yourself space by adding that bit of uncertainty, to, especially on the rush like that. Yeah, that's a. That's definitely like a different strategy than dumping it in, but it's possibly something that could work. I mean, their power play hasn't been great there have been chances they've not scored yet but there have been chances yes there have been there's like rumblings that it could potentially become something and yeah now that you mention it like i especially have seen like guys like keith has done keith's done it like i've seen him do it i've seen eric gustafson do it i definitely i've I've witnessed this and i'm glad dan bernstein kind of shown a spotlight on that because that's definitely it's definitely a different strategy than dumping the puck in, but it could, in theory, be somewhat effective, too. Yeah, I agree. And it ha- the power play has looked better. I will say that. Uh, by the way, let's just call this power play the, the reverse dump. And listeners, if you ever have a reverse dump, please call your doctor immediately. It's not supposed to do that. <laughs> call a physician. Go to an urgent care. But if you ever suffer from a reverse dump, please make sure you get medical attention. James, are you ready for emails? Eat it, Arby's. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment. <laughs> Sorry, you got me with the Arby's comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, straighten up. Ugh. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. I was going to go to Chuck's tonight. But my wife got a cold. We are going to go for Saved by the Bell trivia night. So my friend Micah is there competing on our behalf. Good luck, Micah. Go get him. Break a leg uh, at Chuck's. Uh, Chuck's is always full of awesome events like that. Check out Chuck'sCafe.com to see what they've got going on. Almost every night they've got some kind of fun event or special happening. But the reason you go to Chuck's, for the food. The food the is The beignet magnet. breakfast on Saturdays. Oh, the beignet breakfast on Saturdays. Saturday, after you have your beignets, stick around for lunch because I got the coach you needed to bill that day too. Mm-hmm. And then you might as well wash that down with a nice mixed berry cobbler. You're there. You might as well. And then when you're done with all that, drink some yeah, of the craft You need to have beers. a beer to wash it down. Absolutely. And then to get that, sometimes if you have too much beer, you have a little bit of an aftertaste in your mouth, you're going to want to wash that down with a couple slabs of ribs. Chuck's oh, has yeah. your back. Anything you want. Chuck's has it. Top-notch barbecue. Phenomenal Mexican food. Chuck Fine 
is the owner and chef at Chuck's, and he worked under renowned Chicago chef and hashtag Chicago native Rick Bayless for years. Uh, so Chuck's is great. Everyone that goes to Chuck's will find something they love. So hit them up. Chuck'sCafe.com. Burbank. Darian. Do it. Food. Delicious. Okay. Emails. First email from Mike in Greenfield, Wisconsin. Thanks for the email, Mike. He said, guys, maybe I'm borrowing trouble, but is it time to retire Chelsea Dagger? It was always kind of weird to see kids at championship parades dancing to a song about trying to let's call it a uh, woo, a stripper. But 99 percent of people are probably still just singing that that in their heads during the verses anyway now given the climate don't get me wrong i'd still be sorry to see it go um but i don't know he's just asking maybe he's overthinking things he says but maybe no one else has given it a second thought um but it is about a stripper it's not the most politically correct song and i think has it run its course i guess it will probably go once like this core is gone like once kane Mm -hmm. once tave seabrook and keith are gone it might be time to get a new song yeah, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit on that. I, I was thinking that when Kane and Taves are gone, they'll probably go with a new song. I, I kind of miss that they got rid of the when like Jonathan Taves would score, they would play Johnny Be Good, or when Patrick Kane would score, they play Rock You Like a Hurricane. Right. I kind of miss that. Like I, I think that two things you'll need to remember with Chelsea Dagger. One is that that it's just so like you identify that song with the core of this team that when they're gone, I think the song gets changed. But the other thing is I just don't think a lot of people, they kind of suspend that knowledge of what the song is actually about. It reminds me of the Pina Colada song where everybody's like, if you like Pina, and they're like, Oh, that's such a fun, happy song. It's literally about spouses cheating on each other. And like, and I hear it at weddings and it drives me insane. So I feel like there's an element of that to it as well, but I think primarily since it's so identifiable with the core of this team, I think it's probably going to stick around until Kane and Taves are gone. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense too. I, I, you know, it doesn't offend me in any way. I'm a little tired of, but before that, it was you shook me all night long, so that was still kind of a double meaning sort of a thing. All right, next email. Well, if you just pissed off, da na na. I guess so. Da na na. Piss off that. Chris in Lincoln, Nebraska. Hey, how about that? He says, uh, "Wait, they watch hockey in Nebraska." I guess so. Sorry, sorry, I'm trying to delete it. Sorry, that is racist or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chris says, "Are you surprised uh, the team wasn't putting waiver claims in on any of these uh, free agents? Sam Gagne, Calvin Picard, Emerson Edom, not free agents, but guys that were recently waived. Zero risk, and we could throw some guys at the wall to see if anyone sticks." Um, I'm not sure who's going to be good again sooner, the Hawks, the Habs, or the Rangers, and that makes me sad. Oh, God. Okay, first of all, <laughs> let me just stop you right there and say, yes, I am surprised they did not put in any waiver claims on any of those guys. Second of all, have you watched the Rangers play hockey this season, Jay? Oh, God. Yeah, they're bad. They're an abomination to hockey. I thought the Senators were going to be bad. The Rangers make – I feel like my eyes start bleeding when I watch them play. It's so, so bad. And it makes you kind of grateful that the Blackhawks may not be a playoff team this season, but at least they're fun. Watching the Rangers feels like a chore right now. It's so bad. Yeah, it's it's not an enjoyable product. Um, next email here from our guy Salsa Shark. Oh, Salsa Shark. He got in on the uh, $1 uh, Daily Fantasy thing, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. I think he did. I only look at the winners, and that's Ponytail Dave. I mean, sorry, Adult Haircut Dave. I swear, dude, if he grows the ponytail back, I say we take him to a Blackhawks game. We'll just call him Adult Ponytail Dave. Yeah. Then we're never wrong. 
The next iteration of the nickname. It makes total sense. Your theory's sound, Jay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Salsa Shark says, uh, I'm running during the Blues game, and for some reason, I feel like I'm noticing how bad Anisimov is way more than tonight than I usually do. His defense is brutal, he's slow, and he doesn't open up anything for anybody else. James, you had thrown it out there to name somebody better. Well, here you go. Eric Halla, Tyler Bozak, Derek Broussard, Adam Henrique. He says those are for yep. sure. He says, yep. debatable, Nick Bonino, Ryan Strom, Victor Rask. Whoa. Whoa. He's right. Yeah, I think he's right. I think he's right. <laughs> By the way, that was you that brought up the best third-line center thing. That was not me. I was just struggling to come up with anybody who was better than him. It was a very – it was an interesting theory and question, and I kind of – was taken by surprise, but crap, Salsa Shark should probably be hosting this podcast because he just did a really good job. Shut up. <laughs> but, yeah, speaking of Eric Holla, man, that guy, I bet Minnesota's kind of pissed they let him go. Does he wear like, 55 yet? What's that? Does Eric Holla wear number 55 yet? No, and Mike Commodore doesn't wear number 64 either. You know why he'd wear a 55, right? It would say Hall ass on his back. Yeah, yeah. I was making, and then Commodore 64, like, it's just, it makes sense. It makes too much sense to not do it, and they still won't do it. He's number 56. Seriously? What an idiot. Dude, you're, you're, you're teasing us right now. It's like wearing the number 68 and snickering, because it's like, it's so close, but it's not quite there. It's like (laughs) Michael Froelich. I'm mini host. I'm mini Yager, so I'm 67. All right. Oh, for God's sake. Jacob K., (laughs) one of our longtime guys, says, have we talked about how good Adam Burrish is in studio already? He's been fun, but also comfortable and smooth in front of the camera. I can't help but compare him to David DeJesus, who after two years still looks into the lens like the camera's a pile of dynamite. <laughs> He's That's... so right about that. Oh, DeJesus is so bad. And, like, uh, you've got um, Doug Glanville just, like, hovering in the background waiting for him to get fired. So yep. Glanville can continues. Glanville, First of all, Doug Glanville is very good. I like great. him a lot. Doug Glanville is Joel Quenville to uh, David DeJesus' Dennis Savard. Like, it's and just a matter of time. All, there's one thing that I've still, it's bothering me about watching the first game of the season on uh, NBC Sports Chicago is that they redid the set this year it's a big for the set. Blackhawks, which is good. It's a good thing. They yeah. needed to do it. The lighting is so freaking bad. It makes it look like Pat Boyle's hair is plastic. It makes it look like Steve Conroy's head is perpetually about to explode because his face looks red. It's just, it's not, they need to tone it down a little bit. I think they have the right idea. They just need to, they need to chill. All right, next question comes, question? What's a question? Our next... I, I, I think that was a uh, an old wooden ship. Well, you'll f- see where it came from because our next email is from Mailman Tom, which I was reading when I said question. So I got question. Mailman Tom from Vegas says, great to have you back full time. Thank you, Tom. Maybe you can help me with this too, James, because I don't know the answer to this. Mm. What is the difference between shots on goal versus scoring chances? How is scoring chances calculated? Is it kind of an objective thing? I thought, yeah, I had thought that it was more of a subjective, subjective sorry, yes, term than shots on goal. Like, I feel like they, I'm not, I'm not sure if you can call a non-shot on goal a scoring chance. I would assume you can. Like, if a shot hits the post, it's not a shot on goal, which is completely ludicrous. But that's the way that stats are counted. I think scoring chances are more of a subjective thing than an objective thing. Yeah, I think that's correct. I think whoever the official scorer is can say. That was a, a scoring chance. That was a, you know what I mean? As opposed to 
there was a 20 foot shot uncontested from, you know, from the point with like a little weak flip shot as opposed to a in close. Yeah. Good question. I want to list it. We should do We should probably know that considering we host a hockey podcast, um, but we did that last. So no one heard it. The Elias Sports Bureau who oh. is the official recorder of NHL stats says a scoring chance is an attempt or a shot taken from a home plate shaped area that goes from the top of the face-off circles through the face-off dots, then is angled to the goal posts. Shots that are taken on odd man rushes are also generally considered to be scoring chances. So there's no like official definition, but that's kind of the baseline for it. All right. So, all right. So if we're picturing home plate, I'm imagining the squared corners at each face-off dot, right? Correct. And then yep. down to the goal line, and then the point of the home plate would be inside the net. Yes. So the so the goal line would be like right in front of the. Okay, I get that. Yeah, that basically would be fair territory in this scenario. Interesting. We learned something today, didn't we? Yeah. I like when that happens. But- I like when people from Las Vegas make us learn things that aren't uh, betting lines and gambling terms. <laughs> he probably wants to know, though, for gambling purposes. Oh, that punk! <laughs> he tricked us! <laughs> I'm betting the over on the uh, shot attempts in the Vegas-Toronto game. I don't know. Um, Dude, I, first of all, I would lose any bet that has anything to do with sports. I'm terrible at it. And secondly, is that like Danny Parkins' alter ego? Did we just like stumble upon something here? Mailman Tom from Vegas? It very well might be. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Before we get to our sponsors, I want to remind you guys, November 27th at Rabid Brewing in Homewood will be our charity event. Lots more details to come. We're finalizing those right now. This is a little bit bigger of a thing than we've ever done before. So we want to make sure we dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and dot all the lowercase J's before we roll this thing out. Uh, Ray, who manages Rabid, is awesome. She knows what she's doing. She does this stuff all the time. So I'm relying on her. This is going to be great. This is going to be a great event. Give you a little sneak preview. There will be tickets required, but your ticket guarantees you entry into the raffle. It gets you a beer and it gets you an empanada. That's exciting. All that for a low price, probably $10, but more details to come and how to buy those tickets to come soon. But we do want to thank Rabid Brewing in Homewood. The time Jay, has do come. we have to buy tickets? No, hell no. I'm not buying anything. <laughs> I just want a free empanada. That's all I want. I, I could take care of that for you. Okay. All right, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, thank you for jumping onto the podcast. We are really excited to have you as part of things. James and I love beer, so you'll see us uh, often. Another thing that I, I've kind of failed to do here that I want to do more of, um, Patreon is a great resource for podcasts like ours. Um James and I do this. Yes, we have some advertisers. It makes us a little bit of money a month. But if everyone that listened to our podcast regularly pledged a dollar a month, it would really go a long way for me and James. It would be really, really, really helpful uh, for us, for our well-being, for our sanity. And definitely uh, support my beer habit. For sure. Uh, So anything you can spare, hit up patreon.com slash madhouse pod. If it's a dollar a month, two dollars a month, five dollars a month, great. We are revamping our Patreon uh, reward system. We're going to find some new ways to get you guys some stuff that's worthwhile, be it content, be it product, whatever. Um, James and I will be meeting soon to discuss those changes and what we want to do. But we can use your support. So patreon.com slash madhousepod. If you're more interested in just a one-time donation, 
GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod. Um, we'd really appreciate your help. But with that, we want to thank our sponsors, our brand new sponsor, Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Triple Threat Sports in Mokina, 708-478-6090, Mariska's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933, and of course, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. One of us will be back with you after Thursday's game. So until then, have a great rest of your week. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn. Learn smarter. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.